of Oklahoma City, you're tuned in to the Good Trash Media Network Dead Center Film Festival Special Edition. Good Trash Media will be bringing you all the Dead Center coverage you could ever want. For more information, go to GoodTrashMedia.com. That body is no use to you or me. It had to be replaced. Your memories, your personal traits, mannerisms are all still very much the same. It's just in a new shell. Have you been here before? Remind me of somebody. I keep having these memories and dreams, but they're not mine. There's a man and he frightens me. I just can't remember his face. You're experiencing electric nostalgia. Electric Nostalgia. I'm one of your Good Trash Media Dead Center hosts, Caleb Masters, and today we're going to be talking a little bit more about Electric Nostalgia. It was the piece of genre film heading into the festival this year, at least a locally produced genre film. Now, this is a film that was made locally, produced by Planet Thunder Productions, which is uh, a film production company founded by Jacob and Zachary Burns, along with Vinnie Hogan. And it was really cool to be at the premiere. And guys, it was two sold-out shows. Packed house, both times. There was a real sense of community there. A lot of people who have supported the film, because this film was funded via Indiegogo uh, a couple years back. So a lot of the people who who have been supporting the the film with their money and their time uh, all all turned out. Uh, And some of those actually happen to be some old, long-time friends of the Burns Brothers themselves. I've known the Burns Brothers since they were in high school. I used to teach them there. Uh, I saw their campaign and uh, donated and uh, been interested to see it all along. I'm going to support them as long as they keep doing what they're doing. We all at Good Trash Media, Dustin, Alex, and I all really liked the movie. I think it was uh, our personal picks for favorite film of the show. And, and there were definitely a handful of great films playing at the at the Dead Center Film Festival, make no mistake. But as uh, our roots at Good Trash Media go back to the Good Trash genre cast, this was right up our alley. And it was a really great experience, uh, kind of uh, dealing with like a kind of more cerebral, character-driven sci-fi uh, that we don't see a whole lot even in the mainstream. But don't just take our word for it. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's hear a word from the people. We we backed the right horse. That's right. We, we backed the right horse. We this is uh, unfortunately the only probably the only dead center film I'm going to get to go to this year. And Electric Nostalgia was the right pick. It was very character driven sci-fi. That um, that's something I appreciate. Um, I feel like you can do all the special effects in the world, but if you don't have a character-driven story at the center of it, then none of that matters. Um, so I really appreciated that, especially um, especially some of the Karuth influences there. So as you can tell, this was a very special project to a lot of folks here in Oklahoma, in Oklahoma City. Uh, just to see this thing get, get up on the big screen uh, was, a, was a real success. But not only did Electric Nostalgia just saw it two theaters... It took home the award for the Oklahoma narrative film of the show, which is no small feat, uh, especially when you had some other great pieces of film like Heartland and Oh Brother that were playing at the festival. So it's not like there wasn't any competition. Uh, But I think what really separates this film from from those others is that this is a film that was made in Oklahoma, showcases 
really cool locations in Oklahoma, but is not specifically about Oklahoma City uh, or Oklahoma. Uh, This film could literally be set anywhere. And while I think there's some really great benefits to films like Heartland that do showcase uh, the beauty and and strengths of Oklahoma as a character, I think this this really is really laying the groundwork here for hopefully for future films uh, that maybe could film anywhere, maybe film right here in Oklahoma. So that was a really good bit. And I think it's uh, the, the the folks all at Planet Thunder Productions really did something unique by telling a story like that and, and bring it to the Dead Center Film Festival. The cast and crew for Electric Nostalgia includes Stephen Goodman, Lauren Anala, Paige Tudyk, Josh Bonzi, Alan Davidson, Clint Kubot, and Kate Brazel. On Good Trash Media, we have had a lot of coverage in the last few weeks. We've had uh, Stephen, the Burns Brothers, kind of guest on some of our shows. Uh, we had our live Fable of Shannon Cable screening a couple weeks back where we, we looked at the Plant Thunder Productions first film, written and directed by Vinnie Hogan, uh, which was a musical comedy horror. Lots and lots of fun. If you guys haven't checked that out, you can find it on GoodTrashMedia.com if you want to get more insight there. But w- we've been talking with these guys for a long time, and, and this is, it was really great to finally get to the festival to see the movie and to, to, to finally get have opinions on it outside of just kind of our day one recap, which you can hear on the website. Uh, Dustin actually wrote a really great think piece talking about like the, the spirituality and the, and the connection between body and soul. A really interesting piece uh, for his one of his eye protein articles. And I re- recommend, you know, if you watch the film, and you've been chewing on it and you're sitting there thinking, hmm, what is the deal with this film? Uh, what, what are some of these ideas that, uh, that uh, Jacob Burns and the rest of the team are playing with in this film? I, I highly recommend you go check that article out. We've been talking to them a lot about the film, but we haven't really had a chance to talk about the film specific. We, none of us had seen the film until the world premiere. And so now that we've seen the film, we've had, we had some kind of time to, to, to think about it and unwind. We really wanted to get the inside scoop with the entire team. Today, we have a really great special interview with almost almost the entire cast and crew of, of the film. Uh, we've got direct, writer, director, producer, Jacob Layton Burns, producer, composer, Vinnie Hogan, producer, still shooter, whatever, all the things, Zachary Burns. Uh, we've got the star, some, several of the stars, including Stephen Goodman, Paige Tudyk, uh, Clint Kubat, and Kate Bracel, all here to talk about the film. Myself, Dalton Stewart, and even notorious podcast interview bomber, Alexandra Bohannon, all sat down and had a nice long chat with the casting crew of Electric Nostalgia, and it was a real pleasure. We wanted to make sure that you guys got to tune in, so maybe you saw Electric Nostalgia, you're curious about it, and want to hear more, because I think this is a film that is is definitely worth your time. And, uh, so without further ado, let's go ahead and check out that interview. Everyone and welcome to the Good Trash Media Dead Center 2016 coverage. I'm one of your Good Trash hosts, Caleb Masters, and we are sitting down with the cast and crew of the award-winning Electric Nostalgia, uh, and I'm joined uh, by my co-host from uh, the People's History of Film uh, and the Good Trash genre cast proper. It's me, uh, Dalton. Uh, I haven't been doing much press coverage this weekend, but I'm super excited that I got to uh, see Electric Nostalgia because, yeah, it's officially award-winning, and uh, it's fucking terrific. It's great. Yes, we liked it quite a lot. Um, we're going to go ahead and do so quickly do some introductions. Going around the circle, around the table left, sir, introduce yourself. Uh, hello, I am Jacob Layton Burns. I'm the writer-director of Electric Nostalgia. 
Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, I'm Stephen Goodman. Uh, I act in this picture, and I play Leland Helm. Hey everybody, I'm Clint Kubot. Uh, I also act in this picture, and I play Leland Helm's uh, incredibly handsome son. <laughs> <laughs> Little inside uh, jokes for uh, people who've now. seen Nostalgia. Uh, I'm Paige Studick. I play Rachel. I'm an actor. I'm Kate Brazel. I play Alexis. I'm Zachary Burns, and I was a producer on Electric Nostalgia. My name is Vinny Hogan, and I'm a producer and composer on Electric Nostalgia. But before we go any further, I feel like the two of you just sold yourselves incredibly short, uh, because <laughs> you did a lot more than the things you just said. Thank I, and you. I think that's a good place for us to start. Thank you. Okay, cool. So I, I apologize for lying. I'm Vinny Ho- I am it's, it's still, in fact, Vinny Hogan, but I was the producer, assistant director, second assistant director, second, second assistant director, uh, location, co-location manager, and um, craft services on Electric Nostalgia. And you wrote the music, all that good stuff, right? Yes, when I wasn't carrying ice chests for Crafty. <laughs> well, well, fantastic. Uh, that's actually, I think, a, a great uh, way to kind of kick off the conversation. So we talked to you guys about the fable of Shannon Cable last week, uh, for a few of you guys who worked on that film. And, you know, we, we, you guys, Vinny, Zach, and Jacob, you guys all have like a collective brain trust, it seems like. So what was it like kind of reversing the roles? Because Vinny wrote and directed the fable of Shannon Cable and uh, Jacob and Zach produced where it was kind of reversed. You, Jacob, you wrote and directed uh, and y- you other two uh, produced. So kind of what was what was the dynamic of that? Like, what, what did you when did you guys decide Electric Nostalgia, Jacob's project is going to be our next one? Um, yeah. So the three of us have been making short films since um, college. And so that kind of that dynamic of us kind of switching roles had been occurring pretty much since, since then. So I would direct a short um, and then Vinny would direct something and we would help him and it just kind of bounced back and forth. So then when it came to making features, he just happened to be the one that had a feature script that he was ready to shoot on first. We're like, okay, we'll do that one since it's good to go. And then while he was making that one, uh, uh, over the through post production, I st- was writing things and kind of nostalgia was kind of getting ready to go as he was getting near, getting close to being done with that. And so we're like, cool, we'll just jump into that one. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun because it's 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 like it's a lot of fun because after you do a job, and then it's nice and it's a very intense job that can take a minimum of a year, typical of two or three years. It's nice to then try on something new. It it, it recharges you. Um, so. So, for example, um, on uh, Electric Nostalgia, um, because I was a producer and not the director, um, I I, uh, would take care of things like worrying about relationships with uh, locations, uh, people who own the locations where we're filming, or issues with getting permits to film on public property, so that Jacob could just get his head into the characters and the story, and then... Likewise, and something something that was really beneficial that I think may benefit other filmmaking teams who are listening is um, we really respect each other's uh, corner of the sidebox sandbox, and because um, what we've we've worked on other people's films and it really doesn't work when you try to have two captains leading the ship, and every decision can suddenly become a committee board meeting, and when you're and when you have little money and little time that just is not workable well, it's so, important to remember why you bothered to work with people in the first place yeah you, you brought them on because you trusted their judgment exactly exactly and so i and so and then on the flip side of that i wouldn't be involved at all in trying to direct the movie out from jacob which was a very intentional thing 
Um, so I think I made a total of three comments about performances during the film, and they were usually something like uh, making a comment about grammar or something boring like that. Yeah. And and what was really fun was we had uh, just produced Shannon Cable, and I directed and, and was highly involved with the cast on that. Um, and <laughs> to, then to on say this, the least, yeah. And then on Nostalgia, I didn't know um, who the cast was or that we had, Jacob had even picked a cast until I, until I saw it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah, we all kind of have our own little corners of the sandbox, and we all kind of uh, carry different loads, um, and we all collaborate very well together. Um, like, there's a, uh, we like to joke about it, but it's kind of like, uh, I, I kind of have the mentality of uh, ready, aim, fire. Uh, Vinny kind of has ready, fire, aim. And uh, Jacob is kind of ready, aim, aim. Aim. <laughs> but I'm glad you brought up the cast because I, I, I mean, do you guys get a lot of pro genre projects like this? I mean, I kind of want to get a feel like what was it like to kind of read through the script or hear about the casting call when you guys were hearing the buzz? Ladies first. <laughs> well, uh, I didn't even know about Electric Nostalgia. Um, I just happened to be talking to a friend of mine and I was like, what are you doing today? He's like, oh, I'm going to go audition for this film, Electric Nostalgia. And I was like, what's that? And uh, he sent me over Jacob's email, I think, or something. And I was like, hey, can I audition for you? And uh, he brought me in, and we talked about it, and I was very confused. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> not typically uh, any – I've never worked on anything like this. So, uh, But that's always interesting to me. I find that very intriguing. Um, so then when I finally did read the script uh, – I was in a casino. I hate gambling, uh, but I was with some friends. So I was just sitting in the corner on my phone reading the script, and I remember re like finishing it, and I just got like goosebumps all over, and I was just like could not stop smiling. I was like, I'm so excited to do this. Like it was insane. Yeah, when I first got to it, uh, we had a mutual friend, Larry, who uh, said, "Hey, you're he, uh, Jacob. You remember Jacob from the short you did a long time ago? He's doing this film." And uh, I just submitted like we did. Um, when I got to the audition, I he, they had sides for everyone laid out, and I took time to look at all the sides to kind of figure out the entire story. So I was hooked from the get go. You know, I got I got brought in for Elliot and got to read for that. Uh, when, when I first started seeing the pacing of this, at the pacing of the sides, you can usually tell from three sides that they give you the pacing, and I I, I thought it was electric um but uh, oh. violet i i i just i really uh love this i love that it was original it wasn't stealing from anything it wasn't trying to be anything uh more or less than it was jacob knew what this was going to be he knew his vision he stuck with it through the entire shoot through this entire process that we're are at now and hopefully venture further in the future but that's what out of everything I love that Jacob just stayed on target with, with his vision, his story, his script. Uh, yeah, I have to agree with Steven for sure. Uh, like him, I came into the audition and read everything just because I was really curious. And I was like, oh, man, what's this movie about? And I was trying to figure it out. I was actually way off by the time I uh, finished that process. Uh, but then when I, got, I got to read the uh, full script and everything once I got cast and uh, just became incredibly excited. I already was and uh, was interested for sure, but... Uh, I I knew these guys were already interested in doing a lot of genre stuff. Obviously, with Shannon Cable, the whole thing kind of felt like one big experiment where we got to do a little bit of everything. Uh, and that's 
I mean, I expected it to be something along those lines as far as just having a lot of good influences and being something that wouldn't just be like, you know, a drama set in Oklahoma or well, something like I, that. I mean, they, they couldn't be more different as films, and yet they, they do share a lot in common that is kind of a grab bag of, of different influences, yeah, exactly. which I, I find very interesting about both pictures. Right. Um, yeah, no, and uh, and that's the thing. I mean, there are so many different. I mean, he gave us some great movies to watch and everything, kind of to get us in that mindset. Uh, I do remember specifically we had discussed uh, for my character uh, movie monsters and stuff, just things like Frankenstein and like all those old time Universal monsters and things like that, because that's not something you see these days. Uh, you have occasional movies where it's like, oh, this is like the big scary monster, or whatever, but they don't have that kind of sense of mystery to them i guess is the issue for me uh these days it's kind of just like well it jumps out from something and scares you and looks creepy but uh what i liked about electric nostalgia and kind of the whole movie in general was yes it's creepy but it's all very focused on uh depth of character i think more than anything else uh it it is a sci-fi movie it is a genre type thing but it's not uh it's not focusing on just being a science fiction film, I guess, is the thing. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. It definitely is channeling a lot of the kind of a character-driven sci-fi uh, a lot, because I was thinking about the film afterwards. I said, you know, the plot was pretty straightforward, uh, pretty basic, uh, but I think it was a lot more about, uh, you know, Stephen and Leland's character. Uh, even though I don't know if you necessarily had the most screen time, like, uh, you know, we get we bookends with your character and into seeing what he is doing uh, to these collective consciousness and it is really telling us a lot more about him than even the process of electric nostalgia. Uh, you know, this was the first time I got to see the film uh, Thursday and I thought it was brilliant how Jacob edited around that. I thought if there was another single frame or one other spoken line from Leland, it would have been just too much Leland. I thought he gave him, he entered when he needed to, he left when he needed to. He, the exposition was, he, it wasn't overly exposed. That, that is actually one thing that I have to compliment Jacob for as well, is we could have gone into a lot more detail, I'm sure, trying to explain how this all works and stuff. But that's another reason I kind of like the mystery of it is you're not expecting the audience to understand everything you get the you give them an opportunity to think about it themselves if they want to I think it's one of the things that works best about the movie uh, Jacob is uh, you're welcome uh, you, there's a lot of uh, elliptical editing uh, in the film which I, I love in general but I think works really well here because you're you're, you're playing with this idea of, about how malleable memory and, and persona can be um, and, and just you know, these kind of elliptical moments that happen throughout the film that uh, are almost like a, like a druggy haze where it's really hard to, to hold on to an idea for longer than a second. I really enjoyed that. And I, I don't think you're, you're deliberately opaque with the plot, which I, I find infuriating uh, sometimes. I think what you do is, is much different. Uh, is you, you, you tell people exactly what they need to know to, to follow the film and nothing more. And as everyone's talked about, that really is one of the film's strengths. So good job. Uh, but do, is there any, you know, any films in particular? You talked a little bit about influences during the, the Q&A immediately following the, the screening that just wrapped. Uh, but as far as you know, keeping just what needs to be there uh, on the screen and as far as the, that editing style, is there any films in particular that spoke to you in that regard? Um, definitely. Um, and one that might be kind of surprising, but kind of talking about like the distribution of exposition and information, um, was the movie, uh, Back to the Future. You guys may have heard of it. Um, and 1.21 gigawatts. Exactly. Like, so that movie gives you 
you, anytime Doc is about to explain how time travel works, he gets interrupted. And, and it happens every time. And, and so they give us just enough. They're like, here's the flux capacitor. This is what makes time travel possible. And you're like, great. I don't need to know anything else. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, we don't know why. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was stuff like that. It was like, okay, how, how much info does the audience actually need? And I mean, that was a big struggle in writing and then shooting and editing. Like, it went back and forth. Like, sometimes, sometimes there's way more information given. Sometimes there was way less. Um, and so that was, that was definitely uh, um, something that I really struggled with in, throughout the whole process is just like how, how much info and how, how do we get that info across. When did you decide, okay, when do we need to leave the breadcrumbs? Because one thing in particular that I was curious about, and I didn't have the fortune of catching to watch it a second time, uh, but uh, was when did you decide to drop the, the specific breadcrumbs. Like, I, I, I actually didn't realize that these were all robots until about two-thirds of the way through the film when you actually see the robot on the table. And I was yeah. like, oh, hey, these are not human bodies, like reanimated human bodies. They're actually robots. But it, that totally, of course, changes the, the, end, of the, fi- the end of the film. It's, it's a key bit of information. So yeah. when did you, when, when you were writing, when, did you, you kind of wrestle, okay, when do we bring this information in or when do we, how long do I hold that back? Like, kind of what is that like as a writer trying to figure out when to leave that information in? Yeah, absolutely. Like that, that was one of the biggest struggles and, and challenges throughout. And so um, there's actually, and we actually shot uh, some scenes where people make references to robots, um, where they actually say the word robot. Um, and as we got through it, it just felt, even though that's technically the correct term for what those are, it just never felt right for the movie for someone to just say it, if that makes sense. And so... Um, so yeah, it was like so. So yeah, like during editing, we ended up cutting a lot of the references to that, and then just leaving those nuggets. Like er- throughout the film, you kind of see, um, like early on, there's kind of a montage of like close-ups of the robots' arms and legs and stuff like that. And then there's uh, you see blueprints every once in a while of the uh, of these creations. But um, yeah, for for some reason, it always felt weird to just say robot. It felt like I wanted to kind of jump around that. Yeah, you kind of like jump into that B-movie territory a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. How early in the process did you decide we're going to do this black and white? This is going to be the best way to tell this story visually. Uh, when when in the process did you and Zach uh, kind of, or you, I don't know, whoever kind of made d- established that distinction, this seems to be a black and white film. Was that early on or did that come later in the process? It was very, very early. Um, I was still writing the script. I was probably on the fourth or fifth draft of the script at that point. And... Um, it's just, it's one of those things, like, a lot of directing is instinctual. You don't always know why you make the decisions you make. Um, and so, I, I think there's a few reasons. So, like, like I said, like, as I was writing it, and anytime I'd kind of, I'm a, a very, like, visual thinker, and so I'm able to, like, kind of see the movie in my head as I'm thinking about it and reading and writing it. And so, every time I did that, my it just automatically, it would be in black and white. Like, I never saw it. Anytime I tried to imagine it in color, it just it never felt right and so i think really what it might be is a sh- trying to create kind of a uh kind of a separate world because you know like there's science but you know if you think too hard about it you know like so i was trying to kind of create a little bit of distance between uh our world and the world of this movie and also give it kind of a maybe a more like dream white dreamlike quality or um a, a slightly fantastical quality mainly just kind of adding a slight dif- distance between our reality and the movie's reality. 
And so a quick story to compliment Jacob and Zach on their preparation. Um, so in these days, you don't, if you're not shooting on eight, you know, black and white film stock, you're actually shooting in color in video and then transferring it over to black and white. And so a comp the compliment to Jacob and Zach is that they did uh, extensive research and test shots into, okay, someone's wearing a, a gray shirt or, or a green shirt. How will that look when it's in black and white? And so a funny story is since, since completing the film, um, occasionally people who are in the, you know, will say, oh, well, you know, I know you shot it in color video, so why don't you just flip it over to color because then that'll be more accessible and marketable, et cetera. And, um, and one easy way to stand firm on our decision <laughs> is that if you watch it in color, it look, the wardrobe design looks horrible. It's crazy. This, uh, it's Leland, crazy. in all his yeah. in menacing terror, is wearing like yeah. bright green yeah. clothes yeah. like he's uh, going to Sunday church. Yeah, yeah, Leland had a purple shirt on, which yeah, is far less drink. menacing. That's fantastic. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I was really curious um, about for for the, you know the cast. Like, what is that like showing up in these really bright colors? Is it like <laughs> is it harder to stay in character? Like, what's that experience like? Harder to take yourself seriously? What's that I like? Remember, I remember one time. Uh, you guys can talk in a second. Uh, I remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> director, I remember, director can't stop directing. directing. <laughs> yeah. No, I just remember one time when we were trying out Paige's wardrobe and we had this outfit on and she was just like I would never wear this in your life <laughs> it was awful it was cra craziness crazy I was like please please don't change your mind last minute and make this color and be like you're fine because sometimes men don't get it and so I was like please don't change your mind like this has to be black and white forever right you promise yeah so that was sucked <laughs> there was I, I came in and I had a uh, I had a purple shirt. I had some light blues. I remember uh, there's a scene talking with Josh Bonzi who plays Elliot, and I had these gray slacks on with, uh, uh, I think, maybe purple socks and a purple top, and he came in and started, you know, talking that uh, looked very Joker-esque. But as you see, it plays perfectly. Jacob knew, and I, we were always like, okay, you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure? He was just like, trust me. Sure. And... <laughs> And Thank glad we God did. we did. We are so glad. <laughs> hey guys, I know typically the people you interview don't ask the questions, but uh, can I <laughs> pose a quick questions to the cast? We so um, so this this podcast includes spoilers, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. Fine. Great. So so um, something that I've been having to stifle for the past two years that I think is so cool about this movie, and I'm glad I can talk about it now is is um, you know is uh, one is if how fascinating it is that multi character single character you cheeky son of a bitch. I was just about to ask this. Single characters. God, I love you so much. You're welcome. We're, we're bros. Um, doppelgangers. Um, single characters are played by multiple actors. And I, I can't quite do the math. I know Lauren, I believe Lauren, Lauren Anala plays at least three characters. And so, so the character Rachel was played by two people. And, and one thing that I was a little bit jealous that Jacob got to direct this was he had said that uh, Lauren Page and Kate had gotten together and talked about who are these characters and what what makes them who, who they are. So, Paige and Kate, can you can you two speak to what those conversations were like? You're welcome, Dalton. Yeah, I love you so <laughs> I love you so much, Vinny. Well, we had a couple of get-togethers where we just kind of had girl time mm -hmm. with Jacob, right, and Zach, wow. but yeah. girl time nonetheless. Yeah, and it was, it was so fun. Cool. It was yeah. a good time. Um, but. 
I don't know. It was it was a uh, it was a little different for me. So I don't know if you want to. Yeah, I feel like it was uh, a lot for me. It was a little bit creepy because I would just like watch mannerisms and stuff. And while I didn't have to take on anybody else's, um, it was kind of like I had to do my part because whatever comes naturally for Lauren, um, I wanted to kind of convey that too. Mm-hmm. So it would just come naturally to her, and she didn't have to just like just play me, Paige, playing Rachel or um, or whatever. So yeah, so I'm a very kind person. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, so I felt like uh, we did that. I, did, I mean, Kate and I didn't really have to. I mean, we still bonded and every, bonded and everything, but oh, yeah. um, but we we didn't have to play each other, so it was that was pretty easy. Um, uh, but yeah, basically, we both just studied Lauren really hard, real hard. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, and I think, and that's what I I honestly was going into the screenings watching for that, and I feel like it came across pretty dang well. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, because I was real nervous about like. Un- any film like that um, where other actors are playing previous characters but they're other people. Um, You just, you know, it's hard to take on other people's mannerisms. It's something you have to study and uh, just kind of get comfortable doing that, which I think we did. Uh, Just, yeah. Well, and you guys get to do this really fun thing where you're you're opposite sides of the same coin uh, for Lauren, who's... Alexis and also Rachel. Uh, You you guys get to do this fun thing where... When she's thinking about her life as Rachel, there are these really positive memories that Mm. she's kind of reflecting on. But when she's thinking about her life as Alexis, they're spoopy as all get out. Uh, (laughs) And and Kate, you get to have these really great, like, scary eye moments Mm -hmm. that are are, are a lot of fun. (laughs) That's Um, the best. I just that's not really a question I just wanted to comment on that that I think it's well, cool well, that um, it's uh, it really speaks to <laughs> thanks Vinny uh, I just think it's it's fun and really speaks to, yeah, to Jacob's yeah. vision uh, d- is, was there any conversation you guys had on set ab- about that aspect of the film well um uh, not really about the spooky or creepiness. That comes naturally to me. But, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's my normal state. I'm acting right now. But, um, but I, I actually had the, uh, the privilege of, you know, I, I had to wait for Stephen's hair to grow out for me to shoot my stuff, you know, so it would look like he was young. Because when you have short hair, you look like an old man. And, <laughs> not really, you really don't. And um, so we... Uh, we ended up, I ended up being able to watch kind of a rough cut in order to play my version. So I also watched Lauren, but I watched kind of what she was doing in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I tried to play off of that as best I could. And it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was a blast. It was yeah. a lot of fun. You did it I think it came across. Absolutely. Yeah. Like going into the movie before we started shooting, the, the things I was most worried about were production design and uh, the cast until, until we had auditions and these amazing people walked in <laughs> and it just became very, very obvious throughout the auditions who was going to play who. Um, and so, yeah. So thank you guys. You guys did were yeah. incredible. Thank you. Yeah, well, yeah. I think thank what you. was pretty awesome is most of, most of us auditioned on the same day. Like I auditioned with you, Steven yes. and, and Lauren was in there as well the same day. So yeah, most that of you guys fun. were on the first day. I think I Paige know. was on like the I second day. I don't think day. I was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't there, I, I but you. that's okay. So we're running uh, we're getting, running a little short on time, but I do want to get a, squeeze a couple more questions in here. This one's actually going to uh, for Vinny. Uh, now you did the soundtrack or score score for this film, uh, and it was dramatically different than what you guys had done. It's not a musical. Uh, it's not super catchy, uh, but it totally sets the tone for the movie. Between that and the black and white, you guys 
really establish a really powerful and almost mesmerizing atmosphere. And a lot of that does rely on the score. So I'm just kind of curious. There's this fucking great like jazz drum like yes. just interlude right at the when the titles man. Oh, Vinny, I love you so much. Uh, I, I yeah. wrote and recorded that. Jacob Burns had nothing to do with that. <laughs> Psych. Opposite day. Opposite day. That was actually one of the pieces of music that was uh, specifically written by Jacob. So. So I guess he he's he's a generous guy and, and because I did ninety nine spoilers. So yeah, so yeah, so first of all, thank you. That's awesome. That's a real great compliment. Um and one of the great things about working with Jacob and, and again for filmmakers out there listening, working building relationships with people over years where you sometimes you take and sometimes you give and you and you and sometimes you just outright disagree, but you're always on a foundation of respect. Um, he could, I, I would just send him, like even before we started filming, when I was just reading the pre-production script, I would write like five pieces of, 10 pieces of music that were all like an average of 20 seconds long, just to throw paint at the wall. And sometimes Jacob would be like, you know, hey, that was, that was pretty good. Sometimes he would be like, dude, that's, that's it. That's awesome. I don't know where it belongs, but it belongs in this movie in this world. And then other times he'd be like, dude, that was super catchy. See if you can find Taylor Swift's agent because maybe she could write a song on top of it. And if you see nostalgia, it's, it's not much of a What was the process? Swift right? movie. Were, were you, was there anything in particular that you were using to try and really get into the feel of the film? Were you just kind of focused on the script a lot? Was there any music you were listening to to kind of help you get in the right mindset? What, what was your process like? It was... It was um, process. <laughs> the fucking process. Um... The um, it was all very much um, using what time and res- what little time and resources we had um, to to really just embrace our um, embrace our limitations. So I had a I had a, a Mac Pro and it had this great uh, uh, music editing software on it, and then that computer crashed, and it cost a certain amount of money to go fix it and reboot that hard drive, and I was just like. And, and that was right around the same time my wife was pregnant, and um, and so usually you don't want to spend extra money when you're having kids. So I was just talking to Jacob, and I was just like, "Well, you know, screw it. Like, I have, you know, we're gonna get another computer, and it's gonna have some built-in music editing software. Let's just embrace our limitations. Let's use my 20-year-old keyboard that I got for as a hand-me-down, and let's just embrace it, like." And Jacob was really supportive of that, and I think it was partially because we'd worked together so many times. So a lot of it was uh, was kind of on trying to just let your, you know that conscious part of your brain that says you can't do it, that's never going to work, that sounds stupid, just ignoring, the, ignoring that voice, because I have it too. But I'm just getting practiced at ignoring that, and then just going for it, and then letting Jacob be the one to say, uh, I don't know, maybe, how about not that? Vinny, I have a quick question for you. That wasn't the fun machine, was it? No, it was not the fun machine, which is a a third is a forty year old uh, uh, organ with built in uh, drum track machine at my parents' house. Sadly, the fun machine did not make an appearance. That's a shame. Um, but I wanted to speak a little bit about kind of uh, what Vinny was saying about just accepting what limitations we kind of had, because um, I think that's kind of something we did a lot throughout the movie, uh, just kind of throughout every aspect of it. Um, uh, specifically right now, just kind of with set design, because um, that's something I and uh, good buddy Casey Crowdis were uh, big into. Um, and, and like, we knew we needed two different lab sets. 
Um, but we knew we can't, you know, we can't fill it with fancy computers and all this uh, great stuff to make it look, you know, slick and whatever. And we didn't even want that necessarily. Um, uh, and so, and we didn't have a lot of money to buy all these sets that we needed to build. Um, and so, uh, so what we did was just kind of uh, accept that. And we went, we found at like uh, surplus auctions, uh, we could buy a bunch of cheap, old science science machines science machines uh, <laughs> uh and just fill a room with them and uh and yeah like it it really came together super well uh, i'm pretty proud of those those lab sets uh and especially like it it looked pretty cool putting all the cables coming from the wall and all the science machines uh uh in color but then really once you saw it in black and white like so suddenly, frankenstein so frankenstein yeah yeah suddenly it's, it's it's a real space you know and it really I, sells I it i have to compliment yeah casey and zach on this because uh i've been shooting in the lab for a lot of it and uh uh, Leland's house, which was Vinny's uh, parents' house. The illustrious Hogan the Studios yeah. set of the Fable Shannon Cable. And uh, I get to set, and um, right before makeup, right before wardrobe, and Jacob says, come here, I want to show you something. And we've been working on something, and he takes me to this room, and he opens it, and I swear I stepped foot in Gotham City Police Department. I, I was just <laughs> like this, and he says, and he, I said, how did you guys find this? How did you, like, was this an office? He goes, no. This happened last night. They put it together. Everything you see here is Zach and Casey found every single thing. And I, I was just floored. So fantastic job, boys. Oh, golly. You guys are done. You guys are for your first festival, at least. Uh, hopefully many more to come. But I just want to get you guys' take. Like, what about this project? If you had to sum this up, like, what is like one thing that is really special about this project that you're not going to forget? Uh, you know, what? kind of go, you know, give everyone around the table like what is it your big takeaway you're going to take into future projects um, that's really kind of stood out to you in this film um, I, I think for me and I think we've all all the cast and crew have mentioned it like while we were shooting it it really just felt like a summer camp mm -hmm. um, and I think just all of us we got along so well just as people like we were professional and got the job done but we also just genuinely enjoyed each other's presence and hanging out with each other and so that's definitely what I miss the most about working on this movie is just being in that environment with these people and get to know them and uh and luckily we've all stayed friends since then uh they're in a room with us right now so we kind of like each other <laughs> um so yeah for me like really just being able to work with these amazing talented people is uh is yeah was it was an honor when times got tough uh on set we we would always just hold on to each other and it never got tough is what i guess the moral of the story when it should have gotten tough i mean we heard at the q a vinnie say that there was a joke um but uh i got a joke for you but that's the thing that vinnie zach and jacob did is they they helped they didn't stress us out at all and, and that was such a big help on set and what he's referencing is i instead of coming to jacob while he's trying to direct the movie yeah. and saying hey buddy instead of having 10 days to shoot on this location we have two which is horrible news for a director oh. to hear i would come to everyone. him and say hey buddy i got a hilarious joke let's come oh, over no. here and let, hug and cry and, <laughs> and then they laugh. would come back and, and Vinny would have that Vinny smile on his face and jacob would uh fix his shoulder from the steady cam that he had and he would just he would get it but he would never and i think a lot of saxers were like you know what did we do and then jake was like oh you guys are great and Vinny is like yeah great so it's just just so cool and chill and that's I, I i want them on every film set i'm on from now on 
Well, this is Alexander Bohan and also from Good Trash Media in the room doing uh, social media right now. But um, I have, I just have to make someone tell this story because going back to the whole joke, um, joke bit uh, for your time in electric nostalgia, Ghostbusters. Yeah. Take it away. Somebody. So I would love to answer that one. So we were filming at the Paramount, which, if you're not from Oklahoma City, is about a, a block away from the Myriad Gardens, or about six blocks away from the Myriad Gardens, which is a, a beautiful place where they're now starting to screen, do outdoor screenings, which is awesome. Except if you're trying to shoot an incredibly um, emotionally taxing scene six blocks away in a room with no insulation or soundproofing um, and you're trying to whisper these lines of dialogue and also, then in the background you hear a really heavy coat and also if you're wearing totally a, covered. a really heavy coat and they keep having to say cut and it's and really yes hot. yes and and if then suddenly you hear yeah right during some climactic all is lost kind of moments so um so I, I we couldn't tell what it was at first all we knew was it was, it was just some noise and as the assistant director you hate hearing noise on your set unless it's something specific to the movie so me and and Alan Davidson walked down there, and it was hilarious because I brought Alan because if I had to fight anybody, I knew he he was <laughs> he wasn't acting in the scene, and he's a way better fighter than I am. As if we were going to go beat up a crowd of people to be quiet. And the, then we also brought got some cash in case we need to bribe anybody, which between the two of us was about like twelve dollars, you know. <laughs> but we walked down there, and and the good news, and we we talked to the guys and said, hey, you know, this is so awesome, you're doing this. We if we weren't working, we would so be here. But is there any way you can turn down the music? And he said, no, man, I got, I'm sorry. My boss has me keep it at 11, and it can't, can't go any under. So then when we came back, um, we were like, okay, guys, so the bad news is they can't turn it down. But the good news is they're watching Ghostbusters. <laughs> That's amazing. As with almost every opportunity I have to act lately, I... Uh, it, for me, uh, one of the biggest things for this movie that made me excited about it in the first place uh, was that I got to do something I'd never done before. Uh, I, I'm always looking for opportunities to do something different. Uh, my last uh, theater show that I did, I got to play a very different character from something I'd done before, and it was like my first drama. This was my first movie that I got to play a silent character in, and also I was wearing like some interesting makeup that I never expected to get an opportunity to do something like that either. Uh, but yeah, for me, I think a lot of it was just there's always this excitement about doing something different with these guys. Uh, and I think that's kind of what a lot of making this movie made it really interesting. Uh, I, I, it just seems like we're doing something that's unique for certain, uh, but also not something that seems like most other people around here would be interested in doing anyway. I, I, I think as far as Oklahoma filmmaking goes, uh, it seems like we're doing something that's more than just trying to film a movie here in Oklahoma. I, I don't think we're we're not necessarily trying to make it look like an Oklahoma movie. We're very proud of the fact that we're filming it here for sure. Uh, but it's something that we want to make sure is accessible to everyone. Uh, at the same time, we don't we're not making something that's just uh, a very straightforward, simple movie. We're trying to make something a little deeper than that. Uh, and I'm very proud of what, what we ended up with, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and very excited to have been a part of it in the first place. Yeah. 
Uh, I will speak to the treatment of the cast because that was my favorite part. <laughs> it was <laughs> spare no expense. <laughs> I don't know. I just was super spoiled. I feel like uh, Vinny was always just like, "Is everything okay? How are you doing?" He, but like, I just felt so spoiled. Like I had hazelnut creamer for my coffee. That's insane to me. That happens nowhere else. Um, Let me interrupt yeah. real quick. Any any indie filmmakers out there, feed your cast and crew well. <laughs> yeah. Call them and email them in advance and say, what are your mm-hmm. what do you want to eat on yeah. set? That was so helpful because you can get so hangry, and it is not good. <laughs> that will just ruin, and that could ruin an entire shoot day. So there was ample, ample supplies. Yeah. So that was very helpful. Uh, everybody just treated each other with such respect, and, um, you know, we just all happily got along really well, and it was worked out nicely for us but I think it was just easy to these guys were just super easy to be around and uh, the cast that I did get to work with was just amazing all of our chemistry was just there I don't know it was weird I mean we did rehearse and stuff but even during rehearsals we all just kind of clicked I don't know it was very it was like summer camp so I'll have to speak to that too I uh, I can't even begin to count the number of times that Vinny or Alan or Jacob came up to me asking me if I needed some water, if I uh, just needed someone to blow air on me. Like, I mean, Alan would be fanning me with a big piece of, like, plywood or something half the time or whatever it was. It was hard to see. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, like, I know, I mean, like, everyone just took care of each other. Uh, and I think that's another reason that I, I think I really enjoyed working on this is just because uh, not only were we all feeling like really good friends in the first place, but I think we were all just most interested in making sure that this experience was as good as one as it could be uh, because I think that's what makes better movies. Well, I took away, I don't know, profound, profound um, experience. I don't know. It was just the ability for us to get together and talk about the character and um, really get immersed in the entire story. Like, like Paige said, you know, they don't give you much when you get onto a set usually. And um, a lot of times you never get to read the entire script. So if you're not in the entire thing, you don't know what's going to happen. And so getting to see it come through, like I sped read it at a Starbucks the morning before my audition. I mean, of my audition. And, um, and I was afraid to tell you that because, you know, you, you would like ask me like a week before you were like, so you've read the script, right? Are you excited? And I was like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, That's acting the right there. Great. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I sped read it and it, it made me emotional. Like I was crying and like drinking coffee at one point, you know, and I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to like go and just experience this. Even in the audition room, which I was excited to audition for it even, which is also a little unusual. So it's just a really unique script, you know, and it's a unique cast and Definitely a unique filmmaker group here, Planet Thunder, you know, so very, 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 very cool. Very cool. How about you, Zach? Whoa. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, definitely what, what everybody else has said, um, like it, it really did feel like a summer camp. And I think a lot of that came from that we kind of, we went into this uh, feature with kind of a short film mentality uh, to where we kept the crew uh, really small. Um, uh, and, and, you know, we didn't have a big cast in the first place. Um, like in, I think the most, the biggest crew day we had was like maybe 15, uh, but mostly it was like five. Um, uh, and I think, you know, it just made it a little more intimate for all of us to get to know each other a little better. And, and, you know, everybody brought their A game like every day, um, which is nuts. Um, and even outside of that, like a lot of things just came together 
so easily um that like that'll probably never happen again um (laughs) uh like uh, definitely with like locations and stuff to where um like we've said before we like 90 percent of the movie was shot at the paramount building um and that that was just a very super magic thing that happened we uh jacob and i were there at the building one day uh at like an event on the in the cafe on the first floor and we just like let's check let's check out the second floor just for fun uh and we went up and we saw it and it's just this big uh empty space with like all these columns and this wood floor and these cool windows and and walls um and we're like whoa this is amazing this should be uh project lazarus offices like this this should be it um and you know we kept exploring the rest of it and found other great rooms like a room for the lab and everything and it just we're like this this immediately we just randomly went up here and now this is like our first choice for like most of our locations for this movie and and it just worked out that we were able to to get it what i what i took away from it was that in in this goes for life too things will never ever ever go the way you plan them to never sometimes they'll get 80 percent of the way sometimes they'll be 20 percent of what you planned but if you just stick at it and stick to the facts and just believe that it really can turn out better than you even planned and have good attitude attitude is everything <laughs> that's fantastic though so it all you know, kind of lightning in the bottle magic uh, thank you guys so much for taking time to talk to us uh, again this has been a, the casting crew of electric nostalgia um thank you guys so much for talking uh with good trash media today we were all very pleased with the film and it's been a real pleasure working with you good folks for the last uh, three or four months and i'm really glad to say that i think we all really liked the film a lot and uh, great work and i know we're very very excited to see what you guys do next It'll be okay, honeybee. That was the cast and crew of Electric Nostalgia. What a pleasure to, to sit down and talk with those good folks. A lot of great stories. And you just, you know, what's, what's really cool about talking to, you know, a small team like this is, it, you know, the whole summer camp thing is, is, a, is the real deal. They, they, feel, they almost feel like a family. They all, they've all connected. And they've all got this great chemistry when they talk back and forth. And, and just a, an all-around fun group of people to hang out with. Uh, now, sadly, missing in action was the film's star, Lauren Anala, But... But never fear. Here at Good Trash Media, we might have some extra special bonus content uh, coming your way, maybe including an interview with Lauren, Lauren and all herself about some of her experiences on the set and what it was like approaching her character. Because, guys, she had to play like three different characters. So there's definitely some interesting things to be said there. This will be our last bit of electric nostalgia dead center coverage it's been a real pleasure working with these these people and they are still hot on the festival circuit so if you want to support them you can head on over to electricnostalgiafilm.com and get updates from them there and of course you can always hit them up on facebook and twitter as well thank you so much for everyone who's tuned in to all of our dead center uh, coverage this last week you can of course find more at goodtrashmedia.com if you want to get more of the inside scoop because we have loads of interviews and talks and reviews and write-ups on all the films that played at dead center if you have any interest you can follow us on twitter at good underscore trash or on facebook at facebook.com slash good trash media and myself personally at c masters talk that's c spelled letter c masters talk thanks for tuning in and, t- and until next time Thank you for tuning in to this special presentation from Good Trash Media. For more information on the Dead Center Film Festival, go to deadcenterfilm.org. 
For more information on the Good Trash Media Network and all of our family of shows, go to goodtrashmedia.com. 